first from a macro aspect, uh, uh, the first question is uh, China plus one as a wave has been there. Uh, but as a company, if one has to look at the addressable market uh, for, for each of the categories that the company is in, uh, would it be possible for you to quantify uh, how it has evolved? Uh, if you can start with uh, something like toys, uh, second, home furnishing, and third is basically pharma on the insulin side. Uh, so if you can quantify on the addressable market, and secondly, how China plus one has actually uh, benefited us uh, in, the, in the wider landscape. So today, um, if you look at toys, uh, toys uh, three years back about 80, 85% of toys were globally sourced from China and I think every toy company or every company in the world has took that, that linear risk. Till date, they probably did not realize that the risk was. Whenever we talk to most of our customers today, all of these customers have looked at this algorithm and they're looking at diversifying their sourcing list from one dominant country and spread it over multiple geographies and multiple countries. In, in terms of toys, um, if I were to look at it, uh, China supplies about 40 to 42 billion dollars worth of toys globally across the world, with the majority of it going to uh, North America and Europe, uh, with North America being the largest market. As part of the first trip, I think it happened to Vietnam and Cambodia. Uh, we have been slow, we have been typically slow in uh, getting businesses from China on toys, but we are seeing uh, a lot of traction as we move. Uh, there are very, very few suppliers who currently are working with these large majors in terms of manufacturing that. Um, the Sweden goes home furnishing majors, I, I think, uh, again, globally, if you were to look at home furnishing or look at similar um, goods and everything. Again, the last part of this sourcing will happen from China. And all of these vendors are now looking at, all these customers are now looking at basically uh, distributing their vendor base. So while we do a lot of business with the Swedish home furnishing major, we are in discussions with a couple of other guys to see how we can become a supplier to them as we move forward. Uh, the potential there also is very huge, uh, and a lot of it will depend on how efficient you are in terms of uh, setting up global sales operations. Because uh, what all of these companies look at is going to be large-scale manufacturing operations for you to become efficient, and the ecosystem around that. So, so that that's one part of the business. And when you look at uh, Medical devices, whether it's insulin bands, BPIs, and everything else. I, I think um, Chinese com companies are in other competition on that. Let's see what we really look at it. Uh, our major competitors are either established players in Europe or US. We have talked about the names uh, sometimes earlier also, so uh, I think most of you guys will be aware of the names. The, the market there is, if you look at it, uh, it's not only for insulin, it's insulin and a lot, lot of other therapies. What's also happening is now, uh, a lot of newer drugs, newer therapies are moving to targeted delivery mechanisms where you need a pen or you need a device which basically gives the drug or transmits the drug to the human body. So that's where we see a lot of opportunity. And, uh, I'll give you an example. Between three large manufacturers or the three large players on the insulin market, which is Sanofi, Eli Lilly, and Novo, 
between the three of them, they would be selling close to a million pence a year. Uh, across this woman and reasonable. So the market is, is very, very huge. Uh, it, a lot of it will depend on how much of it comes from India, how much of it... Uh, what's also happening is a lot of these devices, at least will move towards connected devices and everything. So that's where what we're looking at is working with our the, the design center which we take up in the UK and trying to come up with new technologies, new devices and that, that's what we will be looking at. Ritesh, you're on mute. Yeah, uh, thanks, thanks for pointing. Uh, thank you, thank you for uh, your comments, Ajay, right? I'll just touch upon a few variables that you indicated. Uh, on Specifically on the toy side, you indicated India has been slow. So just wanted to understand, uh, is the reason uh, that toy manufacturing, is it more technology intensive or is it more labor intensive? Uh, is there any specific hurdle what the Indian manufacturers have? Uh, is, is there a way out? Is it government policy or is it something which is company specific? It's more. Uh, so it's, it's industry specific, company specific as well as uh, something related to government. Um, so today, uh, China does offer a lot of indirect subsidies around toys, which basically make Chinese companies more competitive as compared to the economy. Uh, another reason why Chinese companies are competitive is just basically 40 years of experience in terms of manufacturing toys. And uh, customers basically look at benchmarks in Chinese toys against that uh, without the scale which an Indian company would have, which becomes at, point, at some point of time becomes difficult. So Indian companies need to look at scale. And I, I think that's extremely important. If you do not look at scale, you cannot get to that competitive cost. So you need to look at scale. Uh, the second thing is the ecosystem around toys, uh, in terms of cooling, in terms of electronics, in terms of workouts, in terms of decoration. India, unfortunately, does not have a very well-established ecosystem uh, around this manufacturing. We will have to work towards developing that. So the industry will have to work, uh, companies like us will have to work towards developing vendors. Uh, give you one example. Uh, in China, a tool maker can turn around a tool in six weeks for toys. And it's not one tool, it would be 100 tools, 400 tools, 500 tools. In India, you will not find anybody who will have the capabilities to do that. Or very so, and, and the scale at which they guys want it. So, that, that's, a, that's a big challenge we have. Uh, we are working with some suppliers in India on electronics, on decoration, and trying to see how we can improve overall ecosystem. But yeah, it will take some time. Uh, we also have customers working with us on that in terms of working to see how that ecosystem can be developed because customers are also looking at moving business out of China. Uh, I personally see this is a very large opportunity in the next three to five years. And there will be a lot of growth in the segment of the GP. What India needs, uh, what Indian manufacturers need to do is establish credentials as a quality and a reliable supplier of terms. Uh, and when I, I emphasize on quality reasons that a lot of toys, when you look at toys, it's something to do with children, where the compliance requirements by these customers are very, very huge, and we need to ensure those compliance is high. Uh, the reliability thing is, toys have a very specific market which is linked to seasons like Thanksgiving, Christmas, back to school, and you need to ensure that your toys get delivered 
or are available in source prior to that. So do that thing which needs to get established. And once engine manufacturer established credentials on this, I think uh, there could be a huge amount of work. That's useful. Uh, any specific variable on the policy side uh, wherein you think, uh, I think ROD DEP was one, uh, but is there anything specific on the policy side that you would like to uh, put across which could definitely be of benefit to the industry? Two or three things. Uh, one is you rightly said ROD DEP benefit need to come. Uh, most of the toy manufacturers today are either in EOUs or SEZ in India. Uh, unfortunately, EOU and SEZ do not get ROT DEP benefits, where we end up paying a lot of taxes on a lot of RNCs. So, there has to be some benefit which has to be given. Uh, we should have access or to competitive rates of power also. Uh, if I were to compare the cost which we pay on power as compared to global standards, uh, we probably pay about 70 percent more than what somebody else would be paying. So, and post raw material, the single largest cost which we would have would be on power. So, you know, power is one area where we need to look at it. Government uh, is just coming up with a lot of PLI schemes on cell phones, um, medical devices, appliances. It's high time the government comes up with a PLI on export oriented industries or industries with a similar focus on export, where you could basically see export uh, giving. Because that, that's where you see large manufacturing footprints in the country. Uh, there was a talk around PLI specifically on toys manufacturing. Uh, manufacturing, I don't know, if that, that actually did fizzle out. I don't know. Uh, was there any progress on that particular variable? So, the uh, discussion which I've had with a couple of um, toy companies, is, uh, it's still under discussions with the government, but the government is still not even a final view in terms of how to go about it. This is quite useful. I'll now move one level down. I'll move from macro. I'll come uh, at the company level. Uh, you have been with the company since quite some time. Uh, if I have to ask you, like, what is the yardstick uh, that you follow to measure uh, the success of uh, Shady? Like, uh, is it uh, return ratios, revenue growth, uh, and when you have to allocate capital, uh, what are the variables that you uh, look at? So I'm, I'm just saying that if one has to take a step back, if you have to deploy that incremental 500 crores, uh, it could be market size, it could be return ratios. Uh, what exactly are the variables that we would uh, look at on the basis of priority? So, incrementally, whenever we now look at investing um, the capital and new businesses, we would look at uh, two or three very key important areas. Um, one is either uh, what revenue which that business can generate or an ROC which that business can generate. But that will not be on an immediate basis. That will probably be from a medium term perspective, say somewhere between three to five days, three years perspective. Um, that is one thing. The other thing is, can be looking at getting into business segments and uh, even example of toy or medical devices. Uh, what is the overall addressable market? What the What's the unique thing that Shelly brings on the table in some of these industries? And how can Shelly differentiate itself? So those are, again, very key differentiators when we would look at getting into a newer industry or newer market. And that's, that's very important. And third is uh, the scalability of the business. Uh, what 
you will think of the potential. Can that business be taken to 100 crores, 200 crores? Because it uh, doesn't make sense in terms of handling customers who will be able to look at uh, getting to open when they will be able to do 1 crore, 2 crore, 5 crore, 10 crore business. And spend your efforts in terms of doing that. Instead of that, you will be able to look at spending your efforts in terms of looking at one particular opportunity. Right. Uh, so I think you touched upon the addressable market. Uh, what what Shelly brings on the table uh, as a USP, uh, the ability to scale that business and the efforts align. Uh, if I had to put all these four variables together, and uh, if I had to uh, ask a specific number that when we allocate capital, is that uh, a particular ROC threshold uh, that we look at, uh, assuming the 70% utilization one year, two years out. Uh, is, is there a particular number that we look at? There's the, the the a different number which we look at. I'm not saying we do not look at it, but they have refrained from giving this number on a public forum. But yeah, we internally do have a benchmark. And incrementally, what we feel is that um, whatever capital we look at, uh, we should basically look at, uh, it should basically add to the ROC, not, not bring down over on the ROC. Okay. Uh, if I have to put the same question in, in, in another way. Ritesh, uh, I'm sorry, I lost your... Hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so if, if, if I have to put the same question in another fashion, uh, there have been businesses which uh, surely could have done well on the top line, but my uh, choice, uh, the company decided to actually exit those businesses. Uh, obviously, it was a function of profitability or bandwidth. Uh, so, if you can run us to what those segments were and what prompted us to actually uh, take a step back and say, I don't want to be in this, uh, let me focus on my core segment. So, one obvious segment which we are talking about is uh, electrical segment, where we were very large player in that segment. At some point of time, I think about seven, eight years back, if you remember, that it accounted for about 35, 40 percent of our revenue. Uh, we took a conscious decision of um, getting out of this segment for two reasons. Uh, one is we saw that customers were not ready to pay margins, and there was always a pressure on cost or margin. Uh, the rationale for that was uh, the customers and customers were not able to go very tight in the market and. Customers and customers were not valuing the quality which the customer was differentiating from an X in <laughs> from an X player to a Y player. Why is this contractor different or why is this MCB senior? Because at the end of the day, people were looking at I want to put up an MCB in my house or my factory or my uh, shop and I'm okay with it. So that, that's the reason we accepted that. So, the other reason we might probably look at existing is that we do not see a possibility of scale up of that business. But that would not be very frequent, otherwise we would not do that. Okay. Uh, if I have to just extend this particular point, uh, we have been into CRC cash uh, since quite some time. Uh, uh, to my limited understanding, I think the machinery is fungible for other products. But how are we looking at this particular? Really, I'm sorry, I've again lost you. So, is it my video or your video? Uh, I'm audible. 
जो नौ वर्ड बुलाया uh so how should one look at say, something like crt cap uh, i understand the machinery that we have is fungible for other products uh but the utilization level in this segment are still probably not at the optimal levels what the management would aspire for uh so uh how should one look at this specific business uh for the company are we hopeful that utilization levels will increase going forward so let us uh what about equipment which we had bought uh those machines are being used for on pen devices and ebi so utilization levels on that are at optimal level which is to be the most are not being utilized so to that extent um, i think majority of the equipment is being utilized uh, the plant which was set up was basically a usba clean room manufacturing system which is basically set to get all the device working we are not we continue to work with customers where We see opportunities, and we have all these things orders in mind, and we will look at making those supplies, and then seeing how we can scale up the business as we move forward. But our bigger focus is going to be on on devices, uh, whether it's content manufacturing of devices or our own devices. So that's where our as a company, our major focus is going to be on that. That's even more. Uh, that's that's a very interesting variable which actually raised contract manufacturing or our own devices. uh mm-hmm. i i wanted to ask this question when i touch upon on the on the pharma side of business but if you could elaborate on that point on where exactly we are and how do we see this uh mix actually panning out for 3 years 5 years out if i were to look at a 3 to 5 year uh roadmap i think the contribution by our own devices would increase at a much faster pace as compared to contract manufacturing of devices this is based on what orders or what contracts we have today so but yeah we have multiple projects where our own ip led devices would get commercialized or are getting commercialized as we speak so we see a ramp up on that and then in the next 3 to 5 years we can see a much better growth on that as compared to contract manufacturing of medical devices we continue to add projects on contract manufacturing of medical devices but it's not at the same pace as what we initially had doing it on or ip led devices Uh, what is it possible for you to indicate what the broad mix would be? Uh, 70, 30, and it could actually alter the other way around three years out. You use the right number. I, I think probably yeah, it will be more or less similar. Okay, and uh, I, I'm just trying my luck. Uh, if one had to look at the margin profile differential, uh, would it be upwards of 10 percent? Pratish, I'm not getting to. I'm sorry, Pratish, and I'm not getting to. Uh, as as i said i was trying my luck so yeah perfect okay. fine uh if you can touch upon uh, the rationale for uk subsidiary how does it help uh, specifically when it comes to the positioning of shady uh, in the marketplace uh there are, there are two or three things relationally uh, related so i need to look at uk subsidiary if you want to look at it um, majority of medical devices are designed in the uk um, by design Companies based in UK. So UK has an established talent pool who has exposure in terms of manufacturing medical devices, manufacturing, managing those projects, managing those compliance requirements, and everything. 
as we grow and as we have multiple devices, uh, what we felt the need is, and if you were to look at it, most of our devices were developed with the company in retail. So this company is helping us set up our design center as we speak. So we are working with IDC in terms of setting up the design center, and some of the engineers from IDC will basically move to the design center. So that's that's what we are doing. Uh, the other thing is. When we talk to large global companies and global customers, uh, they would want to basically look at talking to a company which is based either in a developed area, uh, whether it's Europe or US, for acquiring IP or acquiring the device. So, from that sense, also it makes sense to set up a company in the UK. So, what we're doing is we're trying to be closer to where development happens, where either we do our own development or we are closer to the development. So if we want to acquire any IT from somebody, we can look at acquiring IT or co-partnering with somebody in terms of developing IT as we move forward. Uh, we are also, today we have added a lot of uh, large domestic customers and a couple of global customers. Uh, as we move forward, we see demand uh, for devices which we do from we saw the global customers also, and for access to those customers, the UK subsidiary would help us in terms of being able to access those customers in a much better way. So those were the reasons which we decided to set up the subsidiary. Should one assume that it is not from a manufacturing standpoint, uh, but it is more from a design standpoint? Um, really that's, that's the rationale for the most part, right? manufacturing there. Right now. So, there is, there is no manufacturing which will be done there. Manufacturing will happen in Shelly. It will be more of a design which will be done there. Uh, all the filings, even the FDA filings and everything will be done from UK. Uh, all the compliance requirements will be met from there. So, it, it's more from that perspective. Yeah. What could the total investment for the UK subsidiary uh, cumulatively over the next two years? Very difficult to say. To say. Uh, so, and the reason I'm saying that is it, uh, it is depends on what IP we are acquiring and what is the cost which we are paying for an IP. So it will depend on that. Uh, but what we see is the UK subsidiary will basically get into more of a self-sustaining mode in the next six months to a year max. So my sense is probably by quarter one, quarter two next year to get into self-sustaining mode. Okay. That's that's useful. Hiring too many people there or anything. Um, I, I think the next one year, what we'll be looking at is a staff of about eight or ten people. Okay, okay. So what happens to the Shaili IDC partnership? And that continues, and simultaneously we have our own design center over there. Uh, so the rational is it like to optimize uh, on the cost, or is it the idea is to have inbuilt expertise? Uh, was, was that the rationale because Shaili IDC partnership was working beautifully well for the company? Working well, working well, was working well, but then uh, what we see is we are seeing a lot of requirements coming up on design, uh, where we felt the need that it would be better for us to have our own company that we have a much better control on the design process and everything. And um, the reason we are still working with IDC and IDC is helping us manage the design center, the project and everything. We value what IDC brings to the table in terms of design expertise, in terms of project management and everything. So, it's basically a similar structure which we do now, where it will be within our own subsidiary. 
that's that's quite useful. Uh, I'll move into each of the segments. Uh, first of all, I'll just start with uh, uh, the home furnishing uh, segment, uh, which is uh, the largest uh, for us. Uh, now, the company has actually grown with the Swedish homemaker, which is a great thing. Uh, but how right. does the management think of the concentration risk? Uh, how, how should one look at it? Like, should we expect this buy from 50-55% hypothetically? to reduce to some percentage number if you could quantify. Uh, obviously, yeah. I understand I... Good. So, I think we are two things. Uh, one is, we will continue to grow with the customer and as we move forward, if we get additional business, we will look at adding business to the customer because we love working with the customer. So, it's something which we will continue to do that. Uh, and we have a relationship which goes back about 16, 17 years. So, uh, I, I think we, as a company, we have a great relationship with this customer, and uh, both of us respect each other, so uh, we don't see those challenges. At the same time, uh, you see, in the next three to five years, you will see fairly good growth coming in from the pharma partner business or from the toy, as, as we speak. And both these businesses will scale up to a fairly decent level in this period. So. On an overall basis, uh, I expect the percentage to come down in the three to five year horizon. Any number quantification if it's possible three years out, yeah. five years out? Uh, but I would say somewhere between one third and forty between one third and forty percent, thirty five to forty percent. That's that's useful. That's that's useful. Uh, my second question is over here, uh, specific uh, to the home furnishing major given we have grown with the company, but uh, we understand there was an element of pooling capex which was there. Uh, is this a recurring phenomena for all the incremental wins that we have with the company? Uh, or is it, or was it? Go ahead, go ahead, sir. Uh, or was it uh, for a specific SKU that we had to do pooling capex? Like, is it, is it a new normal? that we have to take care of the tooling capex which gets compensated. Uh, if you can elaborate on this and how actually the company actually gets compensated, uh, whereas it's better to look at PPT, not at EBITDA. If you could just elaborate on that, that would also be quite useful. So, uh, this was rolled out in India, now it's being rolled out globally. So, all suppliers to um, the company globally, digitally would have to follow this process. So, I, I think that something which is there which should remain constant as long as unless they change their business policy will be moved forward. But I don't think there is any discussion of changing that business policy. Uh, what this does for us is like yeah, we end up making those investments. Uh, we also get commitment uh, to recover that investment. So there is a value, a volume commitment as well as a time commitment to recover that investment. So uh, that that's a commitment from the customer which helps us to do that. So to that extent, we have some sort of information on the longevity of the business. Uh, the question is, how does it alter the economics? Like, from an ROC standpoint, uh, as a CFO... Uh, ROC standpoint, it will probably bring down ROC a little bit. Uh, but uh, if we follow financial uh, accounting, it will probably not make a lot of difference. Uh, but yeah, it will bring down ROC a little bit if we speak. I'm not saying it will not 
but not much. But what we are doing is, uh, the customer basically gives us an advance for uh, making this investment also. So, it's, invest, it's advances which come from the customer for making this investment. Interesting. And how much would be the yield on this? Like, uh, is, it, is it pretty attractive which we're in, or I think it's a noble zone? I would not get into that. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, perfect. No, no, no worries. Uh, so, this is uh, useful. Uh, the other variable, uh, specifically with uh, the Swedish home furnishing major, I think uh, for two quarters last year, uh, the company did actually get a knock on revenues because they changed their inventory policy. Uh, mm. uh, is it something, again, which is a new normal for the company and have they adopted this uh, for all their vendors globally? So, when this uh, inventory policy was there, it was uh, basically rolled out through uh, at that same time. Okay. Uh, that we have not seen any changes or any corrections to that. So we, we, I am with you that it's uh, still the same issue or the same policy issue being followed. Okay. Uh, when we speak with uh, other players in the same industry, uh, they are looking to uh, tie up or they are working with likes of Walmart and Tesco's of this world, uh, catering to the home furnishing side of uh, business. Uh, I, I understand probably it could be high volume, uh, probably it could be low margin, but honestly I don't know uh, what, what eventual ROCs they make on a particular SKU. Uh, so wanted to understand your thoughts uh, when it comes to scaling up the business uh, versus taking up incremental orders. So one difference which is there is, uh, when I said we are working with a couple of guys and are looking at seeing how we can add business from them. I do not get into the needs, but yeah, we are looking at working with some of the companies. Uh, one basic difference is uh, most of the other home furnishing retailers basically buy off the shelf products and don't have a product which is their own. They do, would not give you commitment for the tooling investments which you make in everything. So that's a difference in the business model, and that's something which we can to evaluate in terms of how do we insulate ourselves against that. So, uh, typically, a lot of companies who basically are supplied to the retailers which you talked about, or a lot of others also, would basically have products in that space which they are selling currently. Again, they would basically be looking at selling to the Walmart and Tesco and the other retailers of the world. So, it's an existing product which they have in their portfolio. It's something which is their own product which they are looking at selling it out. Sure, that's, that's helpful. Uh, coming to, again, company specific, uh, I think uh, the new Hello uh, plant would have got commercialized, I think, last quarter. Uh, the question over here is, when do we see uh, full, utilization, full utilization level over here, and uh, or what could be the eventual uh, revenue contribution? Well, I see we getting to some sort of, like, somewhere very close to full utilization level from next quarter. Uh, what we said is, uh, at full ramp of this plant will contribute to yearly revenue of about 220 to 240 crore. Right. And uh, that's on the, yeah. Correct. And if one had to ask, uh, what made us move into the carbon steel segment? Uh, it, it comes from uh, uh, the larger guy which the company works with. But uh, it is a little bit of deviation on capital allocation. 
I think that that is something which uh, I, w- I would definitely say, but it gives a lot of uh, comfort working with the same guy and visibility on uh, financials. Uh, so how how did the management approach uh, this particular uh, SKU or this particular segment? So when we looked at this, uh, we looked at, again, two or three key things. Uh, one is, what are the margins which we can look at on this business? Uh, uh, when we looked at EBITDA, ROC, or even gross margins, we said, uh, this is a business which basically makes sense for us. Uh, we looked at the scalability and the opportunity here. Uh, the key business for the customer is probably twice the size of the plastic business, uh, with majority of their suppliers coming in from China, and they were looking at diversifying their suppliers. So we saw an opportunity to grow the business here at a much faster pace uh, as compared to the plastic business. So if you were to look at where we have reached on the plastic business now, it's taken us 17 years. We probably thought it, to get to that sort of size of thing, we probably do it much faster in this business because there is scale, there is uh, once we establish your credentials and uh, establish your, are able to demonstrate to the supplier we are basically able to supply quality and in time at the right time to basically be able to do that. So that's, that's those are two key points which basically just made us take a decision in terms of doing that. And the comfort which we had with the customer in terms of. So those were the key things which basically made us take the decision in terms of getting these points. Right. Uh, but when it comes to incremental capital allocation, uh, would we be open uh, to deploy more capital into this segment, whether uh, it's something like pharma or toys? Uh, honestly, I don't know what is the eventual ROC, what pharma will give. I think obviously it will be higher given the segment we are in. Uh, but say toys versus carbon furniture, uh, there is growth, but on the other side there is high ROC. It might happen. Uh, the growth might be at a lower pace. Uh, so, what, what is the thought process on incremental capital allocation? So, the current thought process is that we would want, first want to uh, stabilize and scale up operations in the carbon steel factory. Uh, once we do that, we will basically evaluate uh, future growth options once we get that done. Okay. Uh, so, can one conclude that it is not a no-go zone and we, we remain open to... Uh, so we will look at uh, making incremental investments uh, to take additional business leverage. But I, I don't see that happening in the next six months or a year. Okay. Uh, Sanjay, uh, the pharma business, what the company has, uh, I think uh, it's just one particular part which uh, I think most of the people fail to understand uh, or appreciate. Uh, would it be possible for you to explain us exactly what we do, uh, if you can take a few minutes uh, over there and uh, if you can put some numbers on actually how it can play out over the next three years or five years, uh, that would be wonderful. So, the farming business is uh, very unique uh, and a business where we basically don't have too many competitors if you were to look at it on a global basis. Um, one is on contract manufacturing of medical devices where uh, we work with uh, large global customers or large domestic customers. Uh, currently, we work with Sanofi, Wokhan, Sanofama. These are three large customers who we work with. Um, what we do is we basically manufacture 
some medical devices which are complex for the manufacturing insulin pens, BTI, for these companies. The other part of our business uh, which we have is basically where we basically have IP. Today we have IP on five medical devices or five injector pens. Uh, and these are for multiple therapies. Uh, not only for insulin, but it's for therapies in addition to insulin also. It's for different types of peptides, uh, something for osteoporosis, something for other applications or therapies also. So here what we have is uh, we have multi-dose pens right from uh, 0 to 60 units, 0 to 80 units. Uh, we have a fixed dose pen. We are in the process of developing auto-injector. Uh, we have uh, some the other variants of uh, multi-dose pens. So we have the full range of uh, injector pens which are available there. And uh, these are pens where we have IP which can basically help uh, customers basically launch generic versions of drug in the global market in today's US. So this is where we are looking at working with customers in terms of doing that. And in both these areas we see a lot of opportunities as we move forward. Uh, what we see is today I think two of our customers have already done their NDA filing with our pen or NC-1 filing with our devices. As we speak, I think in the next one quarter, we will see two or three more filings happening in that period. So, as uh, customer filing happens with USFCA, a lot of people then in the industry will also know what ID is capable of them. And that's where I think the next level of growth for the company will come from. So, as, as we speak, uh, we are expanding our medical and device factory. So we are adding up practically more than doubling our capacity there. Um, adding a lot more machines, adding a, adding a lot of equipment on our and testing facilities and everything. And making the test lab accredited test lab so the test lab can be an independent test lab with the ability to issue test reports which could be acceptable. With making all of those investments which will basically lead to much better accessibility in the customer. That's, that's, that's quite interesting. Uh, uh, so, how much time typically takes from ANDA filing uh, to commercialization of the product? Uh, it will depend on when the drug is moving off patent, but yeah, it will be anything between one and a half, one year to two years. Okay, uh, and are we looking at any specific commercialization over the next one year uh, based on the filings which have already been done over the last 18 months or 24 months? We're looking at some commercialization in 23, 24, and 25. Uh, so there are different pens uh, or different molecules which will get commercialized between some of it in 23, some of it in 24, some of it in 25. Okay. That's, that's interesting. And uh, Sanjay Bhai, if one had to look at a very high level numbers, uh, you are quite upbeat on pharma, uh, investments are also going in. So, can one expect this business to be, say, uh, threefold in three years? So, Ritesh, what we have said, and, and this is something which I, Amit and myself both have said, that uh, in the next three to five years, we see this business going to between two to three X in, in, in a three to five year period. This is based on 
current project which we have on hand, current algorithm which we have on hand. Uh, Sanjay, you said 3x in 3 to 5 years or was it 2x in 3 to 5 years? I said between 2 to 3x in a 3 to 5 year period. Right, right, okay. You're playing it safe. <laughs> okay. Uh, so in pharma, if you look at the pharma part of the business, a delay of 6 months to a year can happen uh, for multiple reasons. That's, that's, that's right. Uh, I acknowledge I, I, I that. Uh, and internally, how do you look at the pharma business when it comes to valuations? Uh, there have been a lot of uh, pretty attractive valuations on the private, uh, private equity side. I, I wouldn't name the name of the companies over here, but uh, uh, when, it, when it comes to internal capital allocation, uh, the growth prospects, uh, you will have part of your thought process also, which also hinges on that. So, uh, what do you make of it internally? I, I think we see huge potential for this business and that's the reason why we're putting in a lot of capital as we move forward. Um, in fact, uh, our last call we said that is looking at both incrementally currently investing about 100 to 120 crores in response to the pharma part of the business, to the device part of the business. So, we see a huge potential there. Okay. So, if I have to put a very hypothetical question, if there is a global pharma major uh, which wants to invest only in this part of Shider's business, uh, obviously it will come at very, very attractive valuations. Uh, will the management be open to it given it takes care uh, of, of the balance sheet incremental capex and uh, it, it gives huge credence to uh, the management's capabilities? It's a very hypothetical question. I probably think it was difficult for me to answer, but yeah, we would evaluate that um, on commercial considerations and what does it bring to overall to share. So we, but it is very hypothetical. I really do not know. Okay. Uh, that's, that's great. Uh, I'll, I'll just move on to toys. Uh, is there any particular variable that you would like to highlight specifically on Pharma before we move toys? No, I think you've probably covered a lot of it. Um, so Okay. Uh, I'll just move yeah. to toys. Okay. Uh, I'll move to toys then. Uh, I think uh, in the prior conference calls we have indicated that uh, we had order book visibility on around seven to eight million dollars. Uh, any update from there? Uh, I think we had some inventory stock which was there. Uh, I think hopefully it would have got delivered by now. We would surpass that in current Okay. And how should one? And how should one look at this number, say, two years out, three years out? Because I think we are engaging with only two vendors right now, and you had indicated uh, we are in consultation with a few more. Uh, any any updates over here? Any any qualitative feedback would be great. So, see, we are also trying to understand this business a little more in detail in terms of how it works and everything. Uh, and also establish our credentials by showing the quality which we need to give us to Today, one of the largest uh, product out of India uh, was supplied by Shady, and this was a new product launch for a customer. So, and the response to this has been extremely good. So, as we speak, I think we see this. Uh, it should be able to scale up on this opportunity as we move forward. And we are working with customers to see how we can do that. Uh, we have said this in the past that 
uh, if I were to look at it again a three to five year horizon, I expect that the golf business will be basically be as large as what we currently do on the home furnishing business in, in that time frame. Um, it could be higher than that, but it would not be right for me to say that right now because let's go understand market, let's understand uh, how this season work is. So, so, so one basic difference if you were to look at from home furnishing customer to dolls. Toys have a very you need to a toy has a lifespan of somewhere between eighteen to twenty four months in in the majority of the cases, except um, games and everything which probably have a much higher lifespan. So you need to constantly work with customers in terms of uh, developing new products, new new toys and everything and that that's a constant thing which you need to evolve. So that is something which you need to do that. Uh, and can you uh, detail upon the new vendor uh, interactions that we had? I think we have indicated that we already are engaging with Spinmaster and Hansbro. Uh, but any yeah. other new vendors that we have already uh, spoken to? We are in discussions discussion with two or three companies. Uh, at the same time, we are uh, not actively pursuing these opportunities because if we want the product to be able to go the market and seeing the response on that. And secondly, as we move forward, we add more customers, we will need to add capacity. So, we want to take it to the story, and, but we will look at adding more customers next year. Sure. And when we say toys, uh, what is it that we are looking at? Is it like polymer plus electronics? So, if I have to say if we are selling to something like $100 of a toy, uh, what will be the value contribution over here? Uh, is it electronics? Is it metal? Is it... Uh, so it will be a combination. Uh, currently what we are doing is uh, we are doing some, a lot of toys where, to be, where there is some electronics. Some electronics is there, there is some decoration, there is some bottle components which will be metal, could be speakers, various other things. So it is the combination of this. So toy will typically have all of these combinations and, and that is what we are doing here. So what is the uniqueness that Shaili brings on the table when it comes to toys? Like pharma we understand, uh, Swedish home furnishing we understand, but when it comes to toys, was it what is it that we bring that, that's different on the table? Two or three things. Uh, one is a deep understanding of compliance requirements. Uh, as I said, when you look at uh, toys for global companies, uh, their compliance requirements are extremely stringent. And when I mean extremely stringent, probably stringent is what we would probably be doing on farm in terms of traceability and everything. So, having a deep understanding of that. Uh, second is, toys basically have to reach source by a different time. And from the time you start manufacturing to the time you de- uh, basically deliver to the market, the time is very less. You basically have somewhere between three to six months in terms of delivery, depending on the volume which you're doing it. And you need to ensure you meet all of that delivery. So having high volume production and managing that high volume production and assembly. Because what you are shipping out is a finished product. Now I'll give you an example. The current product which we did um, was for one of the largest, uh, what do I call it, um, 
one of the largest brands in, in this industry. And this involves basically manufacturing about 120 plastic components and putting another 30, 40 components, including electronics, packing it together and shipping it out. So ensuring that all of this manufacturing is done seamlessly, uh, you don't miss out parts, ship out everything on time, and meeting comes. That's, that's very, very critical. That's interesting. Uh, you, this is where Shelly's comes in terms of uh, ability to get to scale and um, manage compliance. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I think labor is also a very important part over here, right? Because when we talk about assembly, I don't think so it will be fully automated. Uh, so I think it's just... A lot of it will be manual because you can't automate a lot of these things because you are looking at this in 18 to 24 months, that will change. Okay. And how do we manage labor over here? Is it all... Uh, uh, is it like we rely on an external agency? Uh, or is that all on the roles of the company? This would be, uh, majority of it would be contractual, uh, some of it would be on the roles of the company. But a large part of it would be contractual because you need to look at, uh, you have some peaks and then you basically see volumes going down, so you have to manage that. Okay, so what percentage of it would be contractual? Like uh, 60%? I think. Yeah, somewhere around 50 to 50 percent would be contraction of our total workforce. Okay, uh, interesting. And Sanjay, uh, uh, you indicated toys businesses can be as large as home furnishing in that time frame. Uh, should I assume that time frame would be like our engagement with uh, the Swedish home furnishing major, which you indicated earlier, was 16 to 17 years? So, uh, is that the reference point that we are looking at or it could be lower than that? So, I said in the next 3 to 5 years, we could basically get to that number. Wow, that's, that's, uh, that's great. Yeah. And I had a last uh, data point which I wanted to have your thoughts on. Uh, how is the company approaching uh, the ESG framework? If you can highlight a few variables on the environmental and the social side, uh, specifically where uh, the company does allocate uh, a higher priority uh, on the basis of materiality. I, I think this is a very key and an important uh, factor when we look at doing business with these large global companies. So, I can give um, the Swedish home furnishing customers a lot of importance to ESG. Similarly, on toys, but even if I were to look at other customers on different CD space or medical space. All of these customers give huge focus on ESG. Uh, what we are doing is, uh, we used to source some of our uh, power from renewable sources, from biomass, uh, in 2019. Unfortunately, regulation changed in the state where it became unviable to source it from them. So, we have now moved to grid, but we are still evaluating options. And I think next year, we will basically be looking at moving somewhere between 25 to 30% of our overall power requirements to renewable sources in the next, probably by the end of next year. And then seeing how we can increase that. Um, but that will be, where we will be buying from somebody who is setting up that power capacity and we will not be investing in our own. Uh, in, in terms of the other things which we do on environment is we basically look at uh, how do we reduce our water consumption, look 
और कार्बन फुटप्रिंट तो दीज आर थिंग्स विच वी लुक एट एंड मॉनिटर दिस ऑन मोस्ट ऑन बेसिस वे कस्टमर्स आल्सो लुक एट अस एंड एट द टारगेट फॉर अस इन टर्म्स ऑफ मीटिंग दोस टारगेट टू बी वेरीफुली बोथ द कस्टमर्स इन टर्म्स ऑफ डूइंग दैट आर वी लुकिंग टू क्वांटिफाई द वेरिएबल्स ऑन कार्बन इंटेंसिटी एंड बीइंग वाटर पॉजिटिव एंड टू व्हाट एक्सटेंड So we have been doing that individually on different businesses with customers. Uh, we have not actually given it a thought in terms of putting it on our balance sheet. Uh, I, I, I think I'll take this as a suggestion from you and look at it how we can put it on the balance sheet when we do the next year's balance sheet and see if we can do that. Sure, uh, that would that would be great. And lastly, I think so from a management. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Uh, so I'll just talk about social compliance. Yeah, social compliance is really. Need to ensure we meet um, the laws of the land, meet all the other requirements. So that's that's something which we take care of. Um, so that's that's something which we will be doing. Okay. And last year on the management bandwidth, uh, I think we were looking for a new CEO uh, to uh, basically enhance bandwidth at the top. Any any progress over no. there? Um, no, we're still not finalized. Something we're still looking at. Uh, but we've added uh, some other key. People as part of our thing, we have added um, somebody in our uh, operation team, or somebody in our co-chair team, as part of operation, part of co-chair team. So we've been adding people there. But we are still looking out for team, and once we appoint it, we will achieve it. Sure, perfect. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Sanjay Bai. Uh, I'll, I'll just request the participants if you have any questions. Uh, sorry, I ate up most of the time. Uh, uh, If anybody has any questions, uh, request you to please raise your hand, or you can send it us via email. Uh, more than happy to uh, have answers for Sanjay Bhai also. I think Sanjay Bhai, we are running out of time. Uh, I'll I'll follow up with the investors as well. I I really appreciate uh, yes, for your time over here. Yes, we can answer that. Thanks for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for participating.